During the years that I spent in seminary in St. Louis, February was known as a particularly surprising season of the year. It was something we affectionately called evaluation season. And it's exactly as you'd expect, that it was a season where every single one of the seminarians enrolled in, at Kendrick Glennon Seminary would undergo an evaluation. This 30-minute time slot could cover all sorts of topics. We could talk about how we had gone through academics, our studies. We could talk about our pastoral experiences, how we had, what we had experienced and what we had seen in the parish that we were at. Maybe even the spiritual side of things, how much we had grown in our own spiritual nature, in our own spiritual journey or even maybe our own humanity, we could focus how we had grown into a young Christian man. All of those different things were part and parcel, but there was actually an undergirding tone to everything, and I came to realize that shortly after my time in seminary was completed, that they weren't just looking for those things. They were looking for an element of confidence. If you think about it, all of those different things, we can go through those and we can kind of give half-hearted answers, but at the end of the day, the way that you had the best evaluation possible was that you went through and you were confident in everything you had accomplished, achieved, and everything that you had done that year. And if we think about it, confidence is something that's very attractive. It's something that we often look for. Maybe it's in casual encounters whenever we're in public. Maybe it's in our relationships within our families, within our homes, within our schools. And wherever we are, no matter what we encounter, and no matter the individual, we often look at confidence and we find it as something attractive. But whenever it comes to the Lord our God, are we so enabled to give Him the same confidence? Whenever we approach Him in a voice of prayer, or even within our life of faith, are we approaching confidently and as if we have conviction ourselves? Because as we go through the readings in the Gospel this week, it gives us a moment to reflect on that ability to go forward, to have confidence, but to be a people of conviction. We start off this morning with the book of the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah, as he's speaking to the Israelite nation, he's speaking to them in that context that we know very well, that they're in the midst of that Babylonian exile. And as such, they might start to find themselves becoming despondent to the Lord because they feel that he's no longer looking towards them. But Isaiah is reminding them, the f them of the fidelity that they need because he wants them to have that faithfulness even though in that moment things aren't looking all that great. But nonetheless, he tells them to remain faithful, to do what is right, to reflect on the things that are just, to really do what the Lord has asked them to do. And he reminds them that their salvation is close at hand and that justice is also coming. And even in a certain way, we were reminded of their salvation history and even their actual history as well, that they were going to eventually emerge from the Babylonian exile, but also the Lord was sending someone else. And so indeed, all of these things are true. But then he starts to speak and actually change his tone quite a bit because the Israelite nation always thought of themselves as the people on the end, as God's favorite people, as the ones who were chosen amongst others. And oftentimes they used that to forsake the Lord because they felt that they could do no wrong. They felt that they could go forward and do as they wished. And so they'd simply live in view of that reality. 
But Isaiah is actually challenging them in a unique way because he reminds them that even foreigners are starting to enter into the relationship with the Lord, and he's reminding them what that actually takes, that they follow the Lord, that they are his servants, that they see him, and they are looking for ways to serve him, that they obey the covenant, that they see all of the laws and all of the statutes, all of the different things that are being asked of them. And so they follow all those things very faithfully. And what are we told? They're led to the mountain of the Lord. They're led to that place of encounter, and they're led into prayer, into the house that is a house of prayer for all peoples. So, in fact, there is that reminder that it isn't just that they're a select people, but the select people is anyone who chooses to be in relationship with God. Isaiah wants to remind them of that because he wants them not to forsake or to take their relationship with the Lord for granted, but instead he wants them to enter into that reality and what the Lord is asking of them. We continue on and we hear from St. Paul in his letter to the Romans, and he's speaking and he reminds us that he is an apostle to the Gentiles, that he's been sent to the people that were thought at one time to be rejected by God and put on the outside. But he's been sent to them to speak to them and to invite them into a relationship with the Lord. And he reminds them of the reality that we were introduced to last weekend. That he, in fact, comes from a people that largely forsake the Lord their God and the message that Jesus Christ has offered. That message of salvation and that message of hope. That the Jewish community at large has rejected that message. And so he's largely feeling down and out. That he feels so sorrowful and so afflicted by that. And he even tells us very dramatically that he wishes that he were the one cut off and not the rest of the people. But nonetheless, he's found a remedy. He's found a solution. He's found something that is going to help him in giving them the faith that he desires that they have. And so he speaks that he wants the Gentiles to reflect that faith so that the race that he came from might be jealous. They might be aware of the faith that they're missing. And so he wants them to go forward and to live their faith well, to show and to manifest God's mercy. So in fact, even though they struggled with disobedience at one time, even though they were outside of God's chosen people at one time, they're now on the end, that they've been chosen, they've been selected as God's people. And so he wants them to do this, to do it faithfully, so that others may find themselves rejected by the world, but largely associated and given that ability to come into relationship with the Lord, their God. Then finally we arrive at the Gospel according to Matthew, and we're told that Jesus is venturing around, and eventually he comes to a region of people that are largely unfamiliar with the Gospel. And as he's there, he's there with his disciples, and the disciples are there listening to his message, and a Canaanite woman approaches, and she has a daughter that's being afflicted by a demon. This woman is a Canaanite woman, so they are not known as a people on the end. There are largely a people that are not seen to be in relationship or not to be a people chosen by God. And so they are largely pushed to the outside by the Jewish community at that time. But nonetheless, she needs something, and she's approaching the one who can give it to her. And so we hear her calling out for the Lord because she wants mercy for her daughter, that she wants healing. She wants this demon to be driven away. So she calls out. And it seems like for a while the Lord is not really entertaining her plea or her petition, but instead is kind of going about his business. But nonetheless, she persists. She continues to call out, so much so that the, di- the disciples become very agitated because they hear how she continues to call out again and again, and it seems like they are just aggravated at this point. So they ask Jesus, send her away, get her out of here. We're getting tired of listening to this. 
So Jesus starts off very slowly, and he says that I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It kind of seems like he's pushing her to the side, something that we might, or the Jewish community and the disciples might have expected at the time. And yet she calls out, Lord, save me. And we know that he, she's continuing to persist, even in the midst of kind of being pushed to the side. At least it looks that way. And then Jesus continues on and he says, It is not right to take the food of the children and to throw it to the dogs. It's a kind of slur at that point in time, and it's something that the Jewish community believed, that they were the superior people, that they were a people on the end. They were chosen by God, and therefore they were the ones that were always enjoying God's favor. And so they use that all the time. It's a very common image. But the woman is filled with such wit and with such faith that she comes back at the Lord anyway. She says, even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the master's table. She's humble when she approaches, but nonetheless she persists. She knows that the Lord can give her what she asked for. What does the Lord say? Woman, great is your faith. Go and it will be done for you as you wish. And so we hear that Jesus does respond. Even in the midst of what seems to be antagonizing this woman, he's not really doing that. Rather, he's giving her a moment to testify to her faith, to show how deep it was, that even in the face of the disciples, that she continues to go forward and to manifest that deep and that rich and that abiding faith. And so we're given that beautiful image that even though she might not have seen herself as one worthy to approach, she nonetheless petitioned the Lord and she was answered. She exuded confidence. And my brothers and sisters, when we approach our relationship with the Lord our God, are we so confident? Are we so bold? Are we filled with the strength of faith that we need to approach the Lord our God? Because so many times in this day and age, we can be confronted with this reality of the Lord our God, the one who is before us, and sometimes we find ourselves backing away. Maybe we don't feel like we're worthy to approach the Lord our God, and so we simply back away and we aren't really confident in that ability, so we just kind of go do our own thing. But what if we were confident enough? What if we approach the Lord our God? Or maybe sometimes we feel that the Lord's not really responding to our petitions, to our prayers, and so we kind of simply leave it to our own devices, and we kind of lean on our own ability. But what if we persisted? Because, my brothers and sisters, the Canaanite woman is here in the gospel, not accidentally, but very intentionally, because she teaches us what it means to be a person of faith. It's not just to simply be one of the disciples. They were there that day, but they didn't get it right. Because if they had recognized what the Lord was asking for that day, they would have seen that it wasn't just to simply be a part of the chosen race, but rather it was to be in right relationship with the Lord, to consider and to persist in that relationship. But the, in particular, that woman shows us three different things that we should have in our life of faith. First, she shows us what it is to be a person of strength in our faith. Faith is often something that's seen to be lived out in this day and age and in our culture only when it feels good or maybe when we have the free time to get to it. And so sometimes it seems like whenever we get that moment of opportunity, when things are going well, when everything's sailing our way, that's when we live faith because the Lord's given us what we ask. But what about the moments when it's not so easy? What about when the moments when it's easier to turn away and to forsake everything that we've ever hoped for? What about in the moments when it feels like the Lord is not answering, therefore I'm just going to walk away? Those are the moments that we need to have strength. We need to have resilience. 
Because the Lord isn't going to just simply give things to us because we threaten to walk away. The Lord's going to give things to us because we've continued to exude strength even in the moments whenever it's difficult. So my brothers and sisters, that's the first thing the Canaanite woman shows us. We need to be a people filled with strength in our faith so that even in the moments when it's most difficult that we can still find solace in the Lord and we can still trust in Him even in the moments when we're tempted to doubt. And then we find the second element. We need to be a people of persistence because that woman, she could have walked away several times that day, or maybe she could have not even shown up at all, and we likely wouldn't have blamed her because she was largely a person that was treated very cruelly by the Jewish community at that time because they felt like they were superior to them. But nonetheless, she approached. And then what's more, whenever she saw the way the Lord was interacting, she persisted that the Lord gave her that opportunity to show how deep her faith was. And it exceeded the expectations of his, and it exceeded the expectations of the disciples as well. So in fact, we see that she persists. She knows the Lord has what she wants, and she knows that if she continues to prevail upon him, that he will do as she wishes. So indeed, she eventually does. But she shows us Whenever we pray for things, we need to persist in prayer. Sometimes it may not be given to us in the time that we desire. Maybe it won't seem to be given to us at all, or we're wondering if the Lord's even going to answer. But nonetheless, we persist. We need to continue to prevail upon the Lord, because He has promised that He will answer us if we continue to show Him how devoted we are as a people of prayer and persistence. But then the final element. That woman, when she approached that day, she was filled with confidence that she was convicted that the Lord would do as she asked. And so she continued to ask, and she asked again and asked again until she finally was rewarded. Because notice, the Lord celebrates her virtue. Woman, great is your faith. You've done exactly what I'm asking for. Because of that, here's a reward for this. In fact, she was confident that her faith led her to a place where even in the midst of all of the afflictions, all of the doubts, all of the sorrows and tribulations in life, that she could not be shaken. That even in the moments when she was tested at least a little bit, that she continued to be confident that the Lord was going to give her what she asked for. Even in the moments when she could have doubted because of who she was, it didn't matter all that much because she knew that the Lord would respond and have mercy. And my brothers and sisters, that's an important reminder for each and every one of us. Because a life of faith can sometimes seem very abstract. It can seem like something that we kind of live and we're not quite sure if we're doing it right. But whenever those moments of life come and it's easier to doubt, many times we throw faith to the side. But what if we continue to lean in? What if we are a people that are confident that whenever we pray, whenever we ask something of the Lord, that He will answer? That even those things that we think are inconsequential or the Lord might not care about all that much, that He'll even answer in those ways? What happens if we're convicted enough and if we're confident enough in the Lord our God and in His desire to answer us that we continue to persist in prayer? Because the reality is, confidence is something that we look for all the time. It's very attractive to us and humanity, and I dare say, even in my own seminary education, they found it very attractive as well. But the Lord also sees that confidence that we can have in prayer. That many times we can be tempted to be half-hearted or we can be tempted to doubt or despair, but that's not what the Lord wants. 
The Lord wants to see us continually renewed in our conviction, in our courage, in our strength, and in our perseverance that we believe that the Lord will do what we ask if we but continue to persist and persevere in prayer. Because we see that Canaanite woman, she approached that day and she might have felt like she had no reason to hope in the Lord. And yet nonetheless, she persisted and she persisted time and time again and she was confident that she was going to receive what she asked for. And the gospel was very clear. She was rewarded because of that confidence. My brothers and sisters, today and every day we should be filled with that strength, with that perseverance and with that courage and confidence that the Lord will do as we ask if we but continue to follow him faithfully with hearts renewed in that trust and living faith. The Lord rewards that woman. He tells us, woman, great is your faith. May it be done for you as you wish. May each and every one of us be so strong, so courageous, and so convicted and so confident in our faith that we too may hear those words, great is your faith. May it be done for you as you wish.